0: Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised.
2: G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene, and we are talking about all things fabulous. One of the fabulous things we're going to talk about I- today is uh, I got my hair done. What is the name of that salon, Lex? I went to Richie over at um, a- Adrian Athentar. This is I'm going to have to get the name, and I'll give you guys a phone number because I got a bunch of comments online asking where I'd gotten my hair done. I will put out that info. You guys gotta check it out. It's, I mean, really a great, great, great salon. Turned out fabulous, Uh, and kept me red carpet ready. So I got to give them points. Speaking of red carpet ready, we are having uh, our red carpet swarmed with big raid '90s stars. Am I allowed to say big raid? Big raid. A grade, okay. (laughs) Oh, oh, it's Adrian. Uh, Alcanta Hair Salon. If you guys want to go there, it's phenomenal. Um, it's in Palm Springs, California. I'm going to put up the info on it. So that was just a, sh- a quick one to everyone that was asking about where I'd gotten my hair done. Um, oh my God, Jodie Sweeten is fantastic. Aside from doing Fuller House, she has a new show called Hollywood Darlings. Now you said you watched this, Paul.
3: Yeah, I did actually watch it. I did actually enjoy it. Uh, It's her, it's uh, Christine Lacken, uh, I think, and maybe a girl from Seventh Heaven, I think? Yeah,
2: there was one from Seventh Heaven and one from Step by Step.
3: Okay. I did, and it actually was enjoyable.
2: What was... Okay. Now, I have to say, for those that don't know... These guys are playing themselves, or an exaggerated version of themselves, talking about what it was like being child stars, being friends with other child stars. It's supposed to be really good, and Paul's saying it's really good. I haven't seen it yet. I'll let you guys know next week. But we're really having a resurgence. You said there's like a Return of the Mac show?
3: Yes. Uh, that stars uh, Joey McIntyre. Uh, he was the, uh, the littlest guy uh, from New Kids on the Block. It's okay. not really my taste in music. I'm more of a, you know, a Ted Nugent or Tori Amos kind of guy, but, you know. Uh,
2: I, I'm I'm kind of more into death metal than that. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I don't know anything about New Kids on the Block. Um, but you want to talk about Rammstein? I got that. I I like that we're having a resurgence of, like, the 90s popularity. I'm seeing out here, uh, I'm I'm in Palm Springs, Coachella's going on, and everyone looks like they've stepped out of 1995. It is absolutely it, amazing.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's nice now that you see that there's a place for these actors and actresses to go.
2: Because there wasn't once upon a time.
3: No, once we got tired of them, that was it. It was pretty much the Hollywood Toy Collector Show.
2: And now we're finding... I, I like that we're finding this. I like that we're doing this because I don't think we've done this in a real way before. I don't think we've taken our... I mean, look at... Sarah Michelle Gellar's 40th birthday party just happened. Shannon Dowdy wrote, you know, was was writing her online, and that kind of turned into a thing. Uh, everyone's kind of. I'm trying to find a nice way of saying. Usually, we just chuck these people in the can, and we're done with them.
3: Mhm. Yeah, that's kind of what Hollywood does. It chews people up, spits them out, and then you know we always have the uh, like to talk about how. Uh, you know the uh, the child stars have all turned bad or something. You know because there's always horror stories, but most of them just you know the phone just stops ringing and they slip into normal life.
2: Well, Jodie Sweetin's had a hell of a go. I mean, between drug addiction and the problems she's had, it's been mm-hmm. pretty bad for her.
3: And on a personal level, her ex husband, or at least I think somebody who had uh, her baby daddy, got me fired up a freaking production. Uh, I'd say about
2: seven, eight years ago. Well, he's an asshole. Screw him. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, but it's 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 interesting, and it's interesting to see the resurgence of the '90s. Even uh, Halsey uh, was coming out to shoot at the ATV place in Palm Springs, off-road rentals. And you know, I, I don't even know who Halsey is, but apparently, she's the thing. Oh.
3: Yeah, I think I saw her on, uh, there's a, a, what was the show on HBO called Roadies. Roadies, and she did a bit on that. She's got Got a really nice voice. I'm not familiar with the music, though.
2: Well, again, she looks really 90. She dressed like, uh, she kind of reminded me of Courtney Love. Like, if you look at her, she looks like, she dresses like Courtney Love did. Yeah, Yeah. without 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 the,
3: without the drug-addled baggage,
2: yes. Yeah, without the drug-addled baggage, that's a good way of putting it. But this resurgence has created um, has created a really interesting vibe, I think, in Hollywood, and I like that the the old child stars, not old child stars, but the the child stars older. of yesterday,
3: older child stars,
2: older child stars,
3: yeah. not
2: old, um, older, older. I like that. Uh, <laughs> are doing something because I look at, you know, these young actresses now and I'm kind of watching this train wreck. I don't find them as talented as the actresses that came before them, but they're really big on social media. And now I'm watching the actresses of yesterday take over. I mean, they're really kind of pushing these young girls out of the spotlight and taking it back for themselves. And Jodie Sweeton's doing it in a very big way after Fuller House and... Doing this new show, she's, yeah, she's the had her fuller own house resurgence At The Fuller In House, the, yeah.
3: I did watch the pilot of Fuller House. I forgot how dark the pilot of the first, uh, the pilot of the original Full House was.
2: How dark was it? What was it? Okay, what happened? Well,
3: remember, Bob Saget's character's wife dies. Yes. So, so John Stamos and Dave Courier have to come and help them raise the kids. So, in Fuller House, uh, the uh, the K- Candace Cameron, uh, she now is the one with the kids, and her husband dies. So, therefore, Bob Saget, Dave Couillet, and and John Stamos come back to help raise those kids. So, yeah. No, I
2: both, the, yeah it are, really both. does have a dark undertone, doesn't it?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the end, it's it's basically telling you it's like, look, you know, we can fix this because we can come together as a family, and it shows a family.
2: And I like that, and I think it's uh, it kind of goes with the uh, Lilo and Stitch version of a family. It may be small, it may be broken, but it's ours. Mhm. I think it's interesting. The I uh, you're seeing a very different side. Social media, I think, has a lot of downfall, but you're seeing a very, very different side. Of these actors coming out, and it's kind of giving them a voice and a way to stay relevant. I mean, even Snoop Dogg has a new show coming out with Martha Stewart.
3: Oh, I've seen eight episodes of that, and I absolutely love that show.
2: It's, Mar- so, it's Martha and Snoop's dinner party. Oh, uh, what is this about?
3: party where high society meets
2: high
3: society. And okay, that I just love sounds when two awesome. people who don't belong together. Uh, work well together, and Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart is the absolute definition
2: of that. But they well, work really been well together. Friends, they're actually really close friends. They've been friends yeah. since he was on her show. Ironically, only has one of them's a felon, and it's Martha Stewart. Mm-hmm. Yep, and she's actually an ex-con. Yeah, she's an ex-con, but the re- but I love that they've come together and done this. You have a lot of very unlikely friendships, though. You have Bet Midler and Fifty Cent. Which I always found very, very interesting.
3: I absolutely adore Bette Midler, and I did uh, see her in concert back in 96, I think, and uh, for the record, I am not gay. Uh,
2: I don't know what that has to do with seeing Bette Midler. I think you just have to be intelligent to appreciate her. No, um, I, was,
3: I was in a crowd filled with Friends of Dorothy, if you know what I mean. Really? Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I'd have gone and seen it. You have Courtney Love and Carrie Fisher were friends. Um,
3: well, that way you can kind of and figure out why, but you know.
2: Yeah. Julian Assange, Pam Anderson. That one I just don't
3: get, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah working.
2: Lady Gaga, Tony Bennett.
3: Yeah, but that always wound, That's wound up in some wonderful music. I'm not the that biggest fan of Lady Gaga, but the stuff she did with Tony was fantastic.
2: Helen Mirren and Russell Brand.
3: Well, that makes sense. She's a bit of a tart, and he's, uh, you know, Russell Brand.
2: Fair enough. J- uh, John Mayer and Dave Chappelle. They've been friends yeah. since John Mayer was on Dave Chappelle's show.
3: Yeah, that I don't understand, especially after John Mayer's little, uh, you know, how his, uh, he, you mentioned that his, uh, uh, his pecker does not like black girls.
2: Yeah, you'd think he'd, uh,
3: Maybe they, well, if they, they're friends, they work through these things, you know?
2: I, I don't you know. know. I, I always found that one a little racist. Um, <laughs> that was, a I don't understand how a penis has a voice, but I'm not a guy. Maybe penises have voices. The, no, Do penises I've, have voices?
3: I have, I have dated several black girls in my time, so uh,
2: I don't get it at all. I can honestly say I've never dated a black girl, or a white girl, or any girl, but I've dated a lot of guys, and I've definitely had a very broad range of who I've dated. I thought it had more to do with the person, but I guess if you're a vapid asshole, it doesn't.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. No.
2: That's, that's that's all I can say. But I really like Dave Chappelle. Uh, when we come back, we are going to be talking to Dr. Russ about all things skinny. We are going to have on the amazing Jane Velez Mitchell today. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Little Miss Flint blasting Donald Trump over the broken promise uh, of fixing the water in Flint, Michigan. Because everyone has forwarded this stupid story to me. It's not a stupid story, but everyone's forwarded the story to me. And asked what I think about it. So what do I think about it? He needs to fix the fucking water. I mean, that's pretty simple. I don't think that's a big... Do you the think that's EP, like a...
3: Well, the EPA earmarked $100 million to help fix the water in Flint.
2: Uh, yeah, they, they um, rolled back on that and put it towards the wall, if you check it out.
3: Uh, it's funding uh, and went towards the wall, Google I really it. need to check that one out. was I
2: have family in
3: Flint, and it's it's been starting
2: that's good i'm I'm really, really glad. Um, the so little Miss Flint basically said one promise he made uh, sure to keep was to build his wall, but he hasn't fixed the water in Flint. Um, the little girl's name is mari. she's actually she's little Miss Flint, and she's she's pretty po She went to a pro you know, she went to a protest this little girl's nine. I think I don't know if this is. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I've taken my children to protest, but I certainly wouldn't put them front and center. Um, there's a post that says, Little Miss Flint remains very displeased with President Trump and said he was not so very nice to me at all. Okay, well, I don't care if he's nice. I care if he fixes the water. That's kind of where I am.
3: Uh, yeah, and I'm seeing uh, stuff from the Detroit Free Press that the $100 million is still going to Flint.
2: Okay, so the stuff that was that's going around the internet, guys, you you Fake never news. know. You never like it's it's the unfortunate the unfortunate side of the internet. Depending yeah, on where gotta, you go, is the answer you're going to get.
3: The EPA says 100 million to Flint. Free Press, Detroit Free Press says 100 million to Flint, and Daily Caller says 100 million million to Flint.
2: Perfect. So, guys, I'm saying this. I know you read a lot of stuff on the internet. Might be a good idea to, I'd say, get a government response, but we can't always get those. Um, I don't know what to tell you. If you have a problem with it, and I do, and I know a lot of people do, please start a letter-writing campaign. Start calling your congressmen, your senators. Start pushing for it. Stop pushing stuff online. That's not going to get you anywhere.
3: Yeah. Snope says it's a mixture. Uh, where it's not, They're not actually crediting it to Trump. They're crediting it to something that Obama did before he left office and Trump didn't stand in its way. That's good. So it's, I don't care who, I don't, I, have, I yeah, do not it care not matter who, did it. Who, <laughs> like, who actually gets
2: credit for it. I don't care if it. Obama did it. I don't care that Trump didn't stop it. That's irrelevant. Let's just fix it, because this is ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I got what family Flint, So there is, and they're saying that they're, they've been starting for the last month to really just yank up to it. It's also kind of cold out there right now, so it's hard the ground is a bit frozen.
2: So if that's what you guys are talking about, because it seems like a false start, the world is frozen there. But um, in all seriousness, I know we're sending a lot of stuff around online. If you have a problem, call your senators, really. And your I'm, reps. And your reps, yeah. Call, just, just call your reps. That's It's the best you can do. Because you have three phone passes.
3: calls, your two senators and your House of Representatives. Okay.
2: Call them, because sending it around Facebook is not going to get you anywhere. I'm Summer Helene. We are on with Paul Michael Bull. And when we come back, we'll be on with the amazing Dr. Ross. This is Behind the Scenes. I'll see you next week. Oh, no, we're not getting off yet. No, Duh. no, 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 no.
3: Dr. Ross, I'm there. The
2: next. show's not over. Bad summer. Bad summer. We'll be right I'm back the one on after drugs.
0: this. <laughs> Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com.
1: What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: If you're seeking more confidence, it is time to feel good naked. Each week, host Laura Redmond and her guest experts are here to help you be you. In order to truly be successful and happy, you need self-confidence, self-love, and self-respect. Feel Good Naked Radio will teach you how to embrace these qualities and make your life more fulfilling and meaningful. Listen live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be proud of who you really are from the inside out.
2: G'day, g'day guys, welcome back to Behind the Scenes I'm your host Summer Helene, and y'all are yelling at me on Twitter because I don't because I told you to, to uh, write your representatives Honey, I'm not going to take that back We are on with the amazing Dr. Russ and of course Paul Michael Boland, who you'll like better than you like me Dr. Russ, welcome to the show
4: Oh, thank you so much Summer for having me on uh, I... Uh, want to tell your listeners that uh, I really am your doctor and you really are my patient and uh, you missed your appointment this week. I thought
5: we were running late.
4: (laughs) It was my fault I was running late. Uh, It's cold and flu season here in the desert. Uh, They call the Coachella Valley the... Bermuda Triangle of allergies because of the wind and the pollen. We have two growing seasons, so uh, I'm sorry that uh, we didn't make our appointment. I think we've rescheduled it. So we,
2: look we do. To- we have it. We have it this coming week. I actually had to run off because we were setting up for a Holsey who's coming to Coachella, so I had to. Oh. I had to leave. For a work appointment, and you know, I'm going to get lots of write ins from the listeners now asking why I didn't go. In. I'm going to get—you just got me in trouble. Um. <laughs> well, these are
4: real, real-world issues that uh, you know stand in front of everyone, you know, to try to accomplish their health goals, uh, and we just have to do do better. And uh, I'll try not to keep you waiting as as long next time.
2: Normally, I don't mind. It really wasn't your fault. I just was way overbooked. Um, I do want to say, and you are, you are my doctor, and I'm working on weight loss too, just like lots of our listeners that are writing into the show. And one of the questions, and it's something I can relate to, um, why am I not losing weight after having my baby? From I, I wanted to call her Kesha, but it's apparently Keisha in Oakland, California.
4: Well... Uh, Thank you for asking, uh, Keisha. Uh, uh, Weight loss after pregnancy takes time, but but it is possible. Uh, I'd advise you to just concentrate on eating a healthy diet and including physical activity in your your daily routine. Uh, Consider your eating habits, uh, fruits and vegetables, smaller portions, but don't skip meals, and maintain variety in your diet. Uh, avoid temptation. Surround yourself with healthy foods. If junk food uh, poses too great a, a temptation, keep it out of your home. Uh, don't try quick fixes. Uh, there's no bad, uh, magic bullet uh, for, uh, for losing weight. Uh, besides uh, eating habits, uh, I'm not a... Uh, Obstetrician, gynecologist, but, uh, for your readers, for a question such as this, I, I would refer them to, um, the Mayo Clinic website, and it's very user-friendly, accessible, and, and we doctors will use it too. And, uh, uh, pertaining to Keisha's questions, uh, and I, again, I'm not an OBGYN, so that's why I'm, uh, um, making this reference is that uh, uh, in the past uh, women were told to wait at least six weeks after giving birth to begin exercising. Um, the waiting game is over now. That that's no longer relevant. Um, if you had ex- if you exercise during pregnancy and had an uncomplicated vaginal delivery, it's generally safe to begin light exercise within days of uh, the delivery as soon as you feel ready. If you had a C-section or complicated birth, uh, generally you may be able to start about four to six weeks after delivery. Uh, That is when your healthcare provider gives you an okay. As far as the exercise goes, get comfortable. Uh, Breastfeeding is usually good right before exercise to avoid discomfort caused by engorged breasts. Uh, Wear a supportive bra, comfortable clothing start slowly Uh, simple exercises that strengthen major muscle groups at first gradually add exercise of moderate intensity such as brisk walking or bike riding on a level surface you can include your baby in your workout Um, take your baby for a daily walk in a stroller lay your baby next to you while stretching on the floor even in such uh, instances as lifting a baby while you lie on your back. And uh, don't go it alone. Invite other moms to join you for a daily walk. Uh, try postpartum exercise classes. Um,
2: what, what's a postpartum exercise class?
4: Well, if they're like um, ma's classes for... Uh, uh pr- preparation for delivery these are uh, uh groups of women who uh, uh exercise uh together after delivery and uh okay. you know your local hospital um might offer them uh, or refer you to a group and then no, I find uh,
2: that sorry.
4: Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Summer.
2: I said, I find it interesting. We've had a lot of write-ins um, about people having babies and wanting to lose weight. Mm. That seems to well, be a pretty common thing. I think it's a common,
4: common plight, and um, it, it definitely is possible. You just need to go about it um, in a healthy in a healthy way, including uh, eating habits and and uh, the physical activity that I just. Uh, Outlined. Uh, A final thought on that is drink plenty of water before, during, and after each workout. So, uh, and stop exercising if you're experiencing pain because that might be a sign you're overdoing it.
2: (laughs) I got to say, water is a weakness of mine. I definitely do not drink enough. Uh, The next question is from Allison in Hollywood, California and Alexis apparently hates the name Allison (laughs) that she said 30 times, but we like you, Allison, so thank you for writing in. How do I motivate myself to exercise and eat right when I'm depressed?
4: That's a good question. Uh, The derangements of eating habits uh, are one of the hallmarks of depression. So getting treatment for your depression is paramount. Uh... Such treatments might include uh, antidepressants, medications, uh, psychotherapy, and uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation. More invasive treatments would include inpatient care or even uh, electroconvulsive therapy. Uh, in my practice, in addition to uh, antidepressant uh, treatment, with, with medications that is, we offer transcranial magnetic stimulation. Uh, that's for individuals who are still depressed, uh, even if they're on medication, they don't tolerate the medication. Uh, the National Institutes of Health really, uh, their, their study demonstrated a 50% complete remission of depression and another 25% partial uh, remission in those with major depressive disorders.
2: Really, that that's pretty bloody impressive. Um, the the next question we have is: Does my bipolar help keep my weight on, or does being fat make me depressed? I thought bipolar and depression were two different things.
4: Well, the listener seems to be mixing a weight issue uh, with a uh, with a uh, a mental health one.
2: That Uh, was from uh, Jeb in Leadville, Colorado, sorry.
4: Well, uh, people who are uh, bipolar, Jeb, are not necessarily over or underweight. Um, When when they're treated with medication, uh, uh, you need to work with your psychiatrist to find the best way uh, to keep your bipolar symptoms um, and your weight under control so uh, that's that's the key there. Um, you have antidepressants that will cause weight gain uh, mood stabilizers uh, they can cause weight loss uh, antipsychotic medications that can cause weight gain so it's a um a challenge uh, for both the patient and the psychiatrist to reach that uh, that norm or that that uh, equilibrium where your bipolar symptoms are controlled, uh, and at the same time you're not gaining a lot of weight.
2: I like that. So I'm going to ask you, Dr. Russ, which was your favorite question for the week?
4: Well, I like the one about the, uh, like you are saying, many people have this concern about losing weight um, after pregnancy. I'll, I, I would say Keisha's question, number one.
2: Okay, so Keisha in Oakland, California, we are going to send you, courtesy of Dr. Russ, a copy of the Palm Springs Diet so that you can get yourself back on track and feel good about yourself and enjoy your time with your little one. If you guys Uh would like your own copy of the Palm Springs Diet, you can find it on authorhouse.com, you can find it on amazon.com, or you can go to uh, to kennethrussmd.com and get your own copy of the Palm Springs Diet and feel healthy, happy, and energetic yourself.
4: Well, I'd encourage your uh, listeners to uh, read the book in good health and uh, let us know how you do uh, with your challenges. And uh, I hope you can all stay healthy. Yourself
2: included, Summer. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show, Dr. Ross. Guys, write in and tell us how the Palm Springs diet is working for you. I'd love, love, love to give uh, Dr. Ross your updates, and we can talk about that on an upcoming show. Dr. Ross, thank you so much for being on the show.
4: Thank you, Summer. Goodbye, Paul. (laughs) Goodbye.
2: Guys, when we come back, we are going to be speaking with the incomparable. Jane Velez Mitchell and talking a little bit about her show um, and what's what's going on in the political arena today I'm Summer Helene, we're on with Paul Michael Bolan, this is Behind the Scenes, we'll be right back
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
5: Do the adventures of Indiana Jones leave you curious about this exotic and unusual profession? If so, don't miss Indiana Jones Myth, Reality, and 21st Century Archaeology with Dr. Joseph Schuldenrein.
1: Are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to BTS at SummerHelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day,
2: g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. And for those of you writing in, it's Adrian Alcanta, I think it's pronounced Alcanta. Tell me if I'm wrong, please. Uh, Hair studios in Palm Springs, California. Um, and if you guys want to check them out, they're at 160 East Andreas Road in Palm Springs. If I have got any of this information wrong, I will give free ATV rides to whoever corrects me and and tells me if I'm pronouncing this wrong. That's who did my hair for the carpet. That's why it looks so fabulous. Uh, it was Richie over at Adrian Alcanta. God, I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. But if you can tell me how to pronounce it right again, I'll give you free ATV rides in Palm Springs, California. I am very, very excited to welcome to the show the incomparable Jane Velez Mitchell. G'day. Welcome to the show.
5: Summer, hi.
2: How are you doing?
5: I'm fabulous.
2: Well, that's a good thing. Uh, We had you on before the election, and I wanted to do an update afterwards.
5: Well, I mean, uh, it's one shocker after another. In fact, it's kind of made parody and TV dramas about the presidency uh, a bit irrelevant because you can't come up with a team of Hollywood scriptwriters trapped in a closet for months couldn't come up with the same trauma and intrigue that we've seen, uh, this whole Russia thing is, I think, not over. I think it's just beginning. And I think uh, we're going we're gonna to learn more about what connections exist between the Trump administration and the Russians and what collusion um, may have occurred that if, and- allowed him to become president.
2: Now I find it interesting. There was actually an article today. The creators of a show called Veep, which was one of my favorite shows, said yeah. they were very, very happy they pulled the uh, the uh, they pulled uh, the character out of the White House before the Trump presidency because they just don't know what they would have done with Julia Louise Dreyfus if she's supposed to be the VP to to Donald Trump because they couldn't come yeah. up with this kind of lunacy themselves. They couldn't write it. And, you well,
5: know, I think was, all I of the shows, it. yeah, a, a lot of the shows, like Homeland and Madam Secretary, they're all grappling with this. How do they keep up with it?
2: I'm just – I have to astay, say I was astounded when he got in. Um, I'm astounded with what's gone on since he's been in uh, from, from uh, the fellow Spicer talking about Hitler and just, just throwing out people in the press corps and just, just some of this has really, really surprised me. I have to ask, as, as a reporter and, your, and, and for you – what's it like to look at this particular climate and to see what's going on and how he's interacting with the news media? Well, I think
5: that, first of all, a lot of people woke up and realized that they just couldn't you know, accept democracy complacently and assume that it's a right. I mean, it's a privilege that we earn by voting, by getting involved. I blame the people who didn't go to the polls. I blame the post-feminist women who thought that, hey, you know, Hillary was kind of irrelevant to them. I'm old enough to know the struggles that, you know, the Gloria Steinems and uh, Bella Abzug's went through. Not the first wave of feminists, certainly, but the I, following wave. I don't know.
2: I had, I had somebody ask me who Gloria Steinem was the other day, so, uh, and why I was talking yeah. about it. So, and this was so, a young girl. I was, I was pretty horrified
3: by young right. you
2: and so, you no by young i mean 25 yeah
5: i mean there, there there are women out there who don't realize that uh the rights that we have can be taken away look at iran i mean back in the 70s um there they were, were iranian women who were coming to the united states and who were completely modernized uh, uh you know living lives the way we do and if they happen to go back to iran and get trapped in that system you know, they're back in the medieval times. And so we assume as American women it can't happen to us, but it can. And, uh, as, especially as somebody who is an out lesbian, I'm sure I'm worried. You know, I, I'm also, um, concerned about the fact that this has become sort of a team sport Democrat versus Republican, liberal versus conservative. And as yeah. a person who would consider myself almost a green libertarian, um, I think that we really need a new pair of glasses. And that's what the American public, if you, if you take their best instincts for electing Trump, wanted. They wanted somebody who was going to do something different and not just allow these massive bureaucracies to grow. And they thought his, you know, he sold the dream. And of course, the dream is just a fantasy, as we find out now. You know, the guy doesn't really have that many policies. He just wanted to win. You know, he was more, it was more of a game for him, and he wanted to prove that he could win. And he still wants to go back to campaigning because that's the fun part. You know, that's the uh, that's the uh, uh, icing on the cake that he enjoys. He doesn't really enjoy the details of policy the way, for example, well, Obama did.
2: Uh, he's, but, he's also spent he's, – he's also on his seventh vacation to Mar-a-Lago while all this nonsense is going on. So Yeah, I
5: mean, look, this is a guy who started out saying that Obama wasn't born in the United States. And right there, that should have disqualified him. And so – The idea that he's suddenly going to change, you know, first of all, people don't change. Secondly, he, in my opinion, is a pathological liar. And I've been saying that for months. Now they're finally saying it on TV. And I've studied pathological liars because I've covered crime for a long time. And when when it comes to pathological liars, the interesting thing is they're very believable because they don't understand what's a lie and what's truth. Anything that comes out of their mouth is their truth. So it's like some people are colorblind. They can't distinguish red from green. That's how they are about the truth. Anything they say at that moment is their truth. And that's why they're so believable. They're also very charming, and they also know how to tell people exactly what they want to hear. It's kind of sociopathic behavior. But to hold the other side accountable for a minute, I I really feel that there were a lot of, you know, sort of tired cliches offered by the other side as well. And what we really need is a big shakeup. Take a look at healthcare. You know, we could afford any health care system we wanted if Americans were healthier. Who's making America sick? The U.S. government. The U.S. government is subsidizing with its tremendous subsidies and other grants that help commodity crops. that go into fast food and sugar and sweets so that we can um, go into fast food restaurant and eat a dollar burger. They're creating the health crisis. They're creating the obesity crisis. They're creating the heart disease crisis. They're creating the cancer crisis. So no wonder if we have terrible for, health care because it's so expensive.
2: I do have to say, for those that don't know, a commodity crop is a crop that is subsidized by the United States government because um, I just got an immediate write-in on that. <laughs> it's like corn is subsidized by the government. By planting corn, they give you a certain amount of money back and the government buys a surplus. So that's that's, exactly. commo- that's, that's, that's what that means.
5: And um, that's why they're shoving meat and dairy products down the throats of school children who are sick and getting, you know, high cholesterol and they're getting diabetes and they're getting, you know, all these problems. And the truth is that if if the U.S. government subsidized, for example, uh, vegetables like broccoli and kale and uh, bok choy and, um, you know, all these other healthy vegetables and lentils that kids need to eat, uh, we would have healthy food being offered in fast food restaurants. The average hamburger would cost $21 if it wasn't for these, government subsidies.
2: Well, the government is also, when you look at healthcare, when you look at government subsidies, and when you look at farming, it really does cause the perfect trifecta for uh, physical illness and for obesity in the United States. Do you well, think... No, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm happy to listen to you. I always learn something listening to you. Do you think... Um, there's any way of pulling back on these subsidized crops? Well, here's the big problem. The big problem is
5: we really don't have capitalist society. We have corporate socialism. So the meat and dairy industry, for example, and the pharmaceutical industry, they control all the agencies that that are supposed to monitor them. So the meat and dairy industry runs pretty much the USDA and the Interior Department and it has tremendous sway over the EPA and the pharmaceutical industry has tremendous sway over, you know, the FDA and the NIH. So the industries are running the agencies, essentially. They've infiltrated these agencies and uh, can, they are can the I, ones who are dictating policy.
2: Can I cut in real quick? for the for the person yeah. that just wrote in corporate welfare is a term it's it's corporate subsidies uh, as to welfare payments for the poor it's used to describe uh, the government bestowing money grants tax breaks or favorable treatment for corporations as long as it benefits the populace that's corporate socialism
5: yeah but it doesn't benefit the populace
2: of course I mean, it doesn't Americans i'm giving
5: bat- it factically nearly dead and giving them heart disease, which is, you know, America's leading preventable killer, which is arteries clogged with cholesterol, which only comes from animal products. There's no cholesterol in uh, plants. Only animals produce cholesterol. We're animals. We produce our own cholesterol. And if you have high cholesterol, 90% chance or 99% chance you're just eating too many meat and dairy products.
2: Now, I'm going to ask you, it was, uh, sorry, I had to read that off. I know uh, not everyone's tracking what you're saying, and I think that is kind of endemic of the problem. Um, I, don't, I think the, the lack of education has is, is a big contributor to this.
5: Yeah, listen, here's the thing. People are brainwashed, they're conditioned. They're conditioned, for example, to regard themselves as carnivores. Well, guess what? If you were really a carnivore and you saw roadkill on the side of the road, you would start to salivate you'd pull your car over and you'd grab that roadkill right off the freeway and you'd eat it right there raw. That's not what we do. In fact, we have to dress up our dead animals in order to uh, make them palatable and cook them. So we're not carnivores. We're carnists. We're indoctrinated from birth to eat animals. And the fact is it's killing us. It's killing the planet. It's one of the leading causes of climate change. And uh, it's uh, obviously not good for the animals themselves. We have a system involving industrialized and state-sanctioned torture of billions of animals. So, you know, my message basically is if you if you love animals, if you love the planet, if you're a feminist, you can't co-sign uh, our food system and you really should go plant-based because it's the best diet for humans. That's been proven. Read the China study, read How Not to Die. There's There's a ton of books and research out there. Watch the movie Forks Over Knives or Cowspiracy or What the Hell. And um, if you're if you're still hell-bent on doing it, you have to ask yourself why. Is it because these, these TV commercials that you're inundated with every day subliminally associate fast food and junk food with patriotism, sex appeal, social status, aspirational values, family values? Of course they do. They, they, you know, they're designed by people who are experts in getting you conditioned to do something.
2: And that's something I don't think a lot of people realize. I don't drink soda, but I sell Pepsi. And if you ask me, Pepsi's the greatest thing in the world. Well,
3: doesn't Pepsi um, cause you know, world peace and all sorts of stuff that we learned recently?
2: Yeah. I, oh, yeah. my God. I'm not even getting it. I had nothing to do with that commercial. It's my job to put it in movies. I'm just saying that. Um, <laughs> what... What do you think uh, – we, we have a write-in, they wa- and uh, Christop- Christopher, Christopher, I'm not even trying to pronounce this, I'm sorry, in Arkansas wants to know, what do you think they, Arkansas is executing seven people in 11 days because the death medicine is about to expire? Um, I think they are talking about the – there is uh, a medication, uh, it's midalazaram is one of the medications used in in, uh, execution for condemned criminals, and it's going to expire at the end of April. So they're looking at executing seven people within the next 11 days in Arkansas.
5: Well, we live in a very sick society where we are addicted to violence. In fact, I wrote a book, Addict Nation, about this. And violence begets violence. Uh, So we have... Uh, the violence, for example, of people bragging about how we dropped the mother of all bombs, you know, in the Middle East, just—I think it was a few last days night. ago.
2: Yeah, uh, no, it yeah, was two days ago. A couple now. days ago.
5: And uh, you know, uh, that we're bragging about this this violence. Okay, and we're addicted to violence in so many different ways. So my my point when I uh, talk about nonviolence is that we all would like to live in a nonviolent world, right? And we point our finger at someone else and we say, you be nonviolent. You practice peace. But the fact is we all have to practice peace. And peace begins on our plate. If we stopped killing unnecessarily on the very flimsy excuse that we need it to survive, which we don't, in fact, it's bad for us, we would change the entire dynamic of our society. Because when we stop killing 70 billion animals every year for food, Suddenly, we would be incapable of war. We would be incapable of the kind of violence that we're seeing institutionalized, like capital punishment, like dropping the mother-of-all-bombs on top of people that, you know, we have no idea, nameless, faceless people. Um, you know, and we killed civilians recently. Uh, we killed a whole a lot, bunch of allies yeah. and, and civilians. Uh, so when we, when we look at nonviolence, um, you know, as the philosopher Thich Nhat Hanh said, Peace is in every decision we make throughout the course of the day in every step we take, and I also believe in every meal we eat. So what I'd urge people who are advocates of nonviolence to do is to look in the mirror. Look in the mirror and find out how you're being violent. And um, killing is violence. And not just killing humans. Killing is violence. And, you know, thou shalt not kill. So um, well, if, if, you, if, how you, do- if you really want to revolutionize it, Look in the mirror and ask yourself, do I kill? Do I order the hit every day uh, of, of an innocent being? And should I do that? Do I need to do that?
2: Um, we have a question. That, how do you propose to handle North Korea in a nonviolent way? You guys are aware. She's not a politician. <laughs>
5: like, well, a let me just say this. Um, there are intractable problems. And I'm not necessarily a complete pacifist to the extent that if somebody attacks me, I'm not going to defend myself. If you go back to criminal justice, what's a homicide? A homicide is an unjustifiable killing, and killing in self-defense doesn't, doesn't uh, is not a, is not an unjustifiable killing. I mean, it's it's killing so that you can live, and that's the one defense for killing. Is that you know? If I have to do it in order for me to stay alive, then, um, you know, maybe I have to do it. Now, I think what we really need to do is disarm North Korea and figure out a smart way to do that. You know, we live in a very high-tech world now where we can do things like disable uh, missile programs remotely um, by making them uh, basically inoperable um, with high technology. That's where I think we should put our energies. I know they did that with Iran a, a while back, and uh, they, they did set it back somewhat. And so I think that's the kind of ingenuity we need, not how big a bomb can we get to drop on somebody. It's how can we use the technology and the genius in our society to you know, basically disarm this madman in North Korea.
2: I think that's an excellent way of looking at it. Realistically, if we take the most brilliant minds in this country, I do believe we can do something something good with it. Now, I know you have your your own show. Would you tell us about that? Sure.
5: Well, I um, have com. It's a website, but also we do a daily live vegan cooking show on Facebook at com slash Mitchell and we distribute it widely across all platforms, LinkedIn, Tumblr, Pinterest, Instagram. Today, we had a vegan NFL player. He, Dave Carter, is, he's known as a 300-pound vegan. You know, he was an NFL player. He was just talking about it. He just left, and he said, you know, we're, we're told bulk up, bulk up, calories. So a lot of these guys are going out and they're eating, you know, just junk food and fast food, and so they're getting very ill. They're getting heart attacks. They're getting sick. And they don't realize that it's from their diet. And so he was very ill, even though he looked strong. He was suffering from arthritis and all sorts of crippling illnesses. And they kept giving him more pills. And he finally said enough. He did some research. He went plant based, and he is unbelievably cut. I mean, this man—you look at him—he is the embodiment of of health. He's, I think, six foot five, and he's ripped head to toe. Uh, and it's all on plant-based diet. Now, if you look at other species that are um, essentially grass eaters like horses, they are just muscle upon muscle. So, what we say is, you know, just eat around the animal. Even like people say, oh, well, you have to eat fish for uh, amino for um, omega threes. No, we actually, just we literally just had someone
2: write in and ask, do I have to eat fish?
5: No. <laughs> oh. It comes from the kelp that the fish eat. Everything comes to the plants that these animals eat. And, and think about it. Most of the antibiotics, overwhelming amount of antibiotics that are um, sold in this country are, are given to farm animals because they're kept in such horrific conditions that if they didn't have those antibiotics, they'd die. So when you're eating animals, you're getting hormones. Most, a lot of these animals, these dairy cows, they keep them pregnant right up until the time they send them off to be killed for hamburger meat and then they replace them with their own daughters. Um, but, uh, so you're getting the hormones of the, of the dairy cows. You're getting the antibiotics. You're getting all sorts of stuff. You know, it's funny because a woman said to me once, I said, here, would you like something? I offered her some tofu-style food, and she goes, I don't think I could go there. And I didn't say this to her, but I thought, oh, but you can take, rip an animal, a baby, away from his mother, uh, and you can stick them in a crate, you can castrate them without anesthesia, you can basically torture them his whole life, then ship them off on a terrifying ride to slaughter, hang them up by one leg, slit his throat, bleed them out, take out the veins, take out the eyeballs, take out the organs, and chop that up into little pieces, fry it up and eat it. You can go there, but you can't have a pure green bean. Are you mad? Well, our society is mad. And then people wonder why
2: there's so much behind it's it's true. Well, I've got to ask you. We've got about two minutes left of the show. Um, we have another write-in. Miley Cyrus just had nude photos leaked. As a feminist, how do you think? What do you think about the constant nude photo leakage? I'm not sure that's a phrase, but nude photo leakage <laughs> of celebrities.
5: Well, first of all, Miley Cyrus is a vegan, so I'm on Miley Cyrus's side no matter what. But
2: <laughs> I like Miley. She's well, actually I, really nice. She's a really cool yeah, chick.
5: <laughs> yeah. What I would say is. Um, you know, uh, it's sad. It's sad that, you know, we live in a society where, be careful. You know, I'm a recovering alcoholic with 22 years of sobriety. Thank God Girls Gone Wild did not exist when I was a teenager. Um, because I definitely would have been pulling up my shirt, you know? Um, I'm, I'm glad so,
2: Facebook didn't exist when I was a teenager.
5: <laughs> exactly.
2: Um, well, you I feel bad for people who get...
5: Point. I mean, seriously. Yeah.
2: What? What?
3: Who hasn't seen Miley Cyrus naked at this point? She did a nip slip at the MTV Awards, if I remember right.
2: Uh, she, she did, but it's still different than having photos taken off of your computer and distributed Agreed. without your consent. Agreed. It's disgusting.
5: <laughs> and, you know, it's just, what can you say, the mentality of somebody who would do that? You know, uh, we, we we are a very primitive species, and we need to evolve. And, um, I like that. it's... Yeah, we are. We, we need to evolve. And uh, so, you know, the, the mentality, it's it's terrible. What can I say? It's a terrible thing. I mean, I feel sorry for her. It, it's the other half of fame. You know, people want to be famous. They desperately want to be famous. Here we are in L.A. You know what I mean. People want to be yep. famous. Ah, But then when they get famous, they're like, oh, snap. <laughs> There's I, really it, gnarly it, parts of that.
2: It is, and i got to say, I like Miley Cyrus. She's a really cool chick, and I don't think she deserved that. We've come to the end of our show. Guys, please check out Jane Unchained. Go find Jane Velez Mitchell on Facebook. Check out the vegan cooking shows. I promise you, you guys will not regret it. She's got some really, really incredible stuff up there. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Love you, Summer. It was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I have to say, personally, I, I absolutely idolize you. I love what you're doing for the planet. Oh. I love what you do for people. And I love ha- the, the message you spread. So, if, if guys, please go check out Jane Unchained. Jump on Jane Velez Mitchell's Facebook. Um, Jane, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Paul. And seriously, I think whoever did that to Miley does deserve an ass kicking. That's my response to that, Facebook, uh, to that Twitter post. I'm Summer Helene. This was Behind the Scenes. We'll see you guys next week.